0: One of them I got from Tim Ferriss, from a guest of his, um, and that's that we should all learn more and know less. Especially the higher we climb in the corporate ladder, we tend to think we have to know everything, and we're best served actually by consistently learning. Don't worry about what you know. Worry about what you can learn.
2: Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the IMCEO po- podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Gregory of GregoryOffner.com. Gregory, it's awesome to have you on the show.
0: Gresh, awesome to be here, my friend. Thank you.
2: Definitely super excited to have you on. And Greg, I wanted to read a little bit more about Greg so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Greg is a keynote speaker, MC, and talented workshop facilitator. Greg's experience is a unique combination of 17 years working in corporate leadership roles, including an expat assignment with Fortune 100 companies and 12 years as a dueling piano bar player. This unique combination helps Greg to bring insight and perspective that few others possess. Disruption has been a part of his life since he was very very young. Greg, are you ready to speak to the IMCO community?
0: Let's do it.
2: Let's do it then. So, to kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more about this background and all the awesome work that you're doing and what I like to call your CEO story.
0: Yeah. So unintentional CEO really wanted, uh, kind of like Kevin Spacey in American beauty. I think when I first started the corporate world, I, you know, if you remember that scene where he goes to the drive through and he says, I want a job with as little responsibility as possible. <laughs> right. I think that's how I thought of, of myself initially in the corporate world was I wanted a job where I could just make some money and be left alone. And I think that came from not knowing what I wanted to contribute because when I got out of school, you know I had this background in music and philosophy and psychology and had worked a lot in the service industry so I was good at talking with people good at sizing up customers but I had never done any internships and I had no idea what I wanted to do in the world so I fell into a sales role and very quickly started making a lot of money and the more money you make theoretically the better you're doing and the better you do in sales the more they leave you alone so it seemed like this great job but the more I did it the more I made the less it mattered you know you you, you habituate to things all around you, good or bad. Humans are really resilient in that standpoint that we get used to anything. You put us in a crappy situation, eventually it becomes normal. You put us in a lavish lifestyle, eventually that becomes normal. So when you fast forward the clock a little bit, Gresh, I had this job that was very financially rewarding, but very unfulfilling. And I felt as if I wasn't allowed to feel that way. Who am I? When I look around, you know, at the city of Philadelphia where I live, where we don't have a lot of, um, people that are earning what they probably could be and maybe should be earning. You know, it's a fairly impoverished city. So who am I to look around and say, I don't like this job. I should be so grateful for this job. Well, what I wound up doing to fulfill, to scratch that fulfillment ditch, was I started working at piano bars. And I didn't know the path that that would take me. I just knew that I had this day job that provided the money to you know pay the bills. And then I had this nighttime job that paid the emotional bills. It really fulfilled me that, got me an opportunity really to be in front of other people and and to lift them up, to make them a little happier. Cause it's rare Gresh that a salesperson calls their prospect and gets a warm reception. You know, normally you have to work your way into it. That's why they call it cold calling, Mm -hmm. but I got warm receptions from crowds all over. So I had this, this sort of bifurcated life, two lives, if you will. And then in 2015, everything changed. I had a visit with a doctor because I had lost my voice while I was performing. And they use this scope. It's a very uncomfortable process, Gresh, where they go up your nose and down your throat to look at your vocal folds. And when they looked at mine, they gasped. And they said, we've never seen vocal folds this badly damaged. And if you continue to sing and speak on them, you're going to break your voice. You basically will paralyze your vocal cords. Once that happens, we can't restore your vocal function. That'll be it. So I said, well, what does that mean? What do I have to do? They said, well... Ideally stop using your voice for a number of weeks and let it, let the swelling subside, but then we need to do surgery. We need to repair all the damage that's been done to your vocal folds. So, you know, Gresh, you're probably already putting this together and your listeners are too, that a guy who speaks for a living during the day and sings for a living at night has just been told that he can't or shouldn't use his voice, or he won't be able to use it ever again. So the emotions running through my brain were too many to describe but they pointed me in a path of needing to do something different with my life because the day job was going to be unsustainable. If I couldn't go to loud breakfast meetings to network loud evening events, sporting events to entertain clients, I couldn't compete in this very high profile world of selling that I was in. i was selling a very expensive insurance product. And if I couldn't use my voice for four and five hour performances each night, then I couldn't have that emotional fulfillment. And so I found myself in a place of deep depression, feeling financial lack and not really sure what my contribution or what my value to this world was going to be. And I was in probably the darkest place that people find themselves in. And it was there that someone saw something more in me, saw that all those experiences that I had, the background in selling and psychology, the interest in music and entertainment, the ability to quickly relate to people and the interest in helping them, that could be used for a stronger, some might say stronger, for a different purpose. And so I unintentionally became the CEO of this business, which we call Global Performance Institute. And I'm hired by corporations and associations all over the world to speak at their kickoff events, to be the lead keynoter for their large conference, to work with their executives when they need help navigating their way through disruption, through change. Unfortunately, I haven't been that busy lately. There hasn't been a whole lot of change going on in the world, Gresh. You know, there hasn't yeah, been no. a whole lot for me to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's, Smooth sailing. It's been, wild. it's been a wild time. And... and um, It's been very gratifying to help these organizations find a way to continue to deliver the performance of their lifetime in maybe the darkest part of their lifetime, this situation where we're all working from home, where we've had to lay off or riff hundreds, if not thousands of employees, depending on the size. And, you know, where some organizations have had to make the hard choice to shut down. It's a tough place to be, but I get to do a lot of cool work. I
2: love that you've been able to do that and you do that with uh, your clients that you work with. So I know you touched a little bit upon like how you serve your clients. Could you take us through anything additional you may not have touched on? And of course what you feel is what sets you apart is what I like to call your secret sauce.
0: Yeah. Well, if I told you my secret sauce, would it be secret? Am I allowed to do that? I don't know. Of course, know it's, how it's that just works. you and me. It's just you and we'll me. We'll check, we'll <laughs> check with my attorneys and like I have attorneys. Yeah. Um so to the extent that it would it would benefit your audience, Grash, I think it's important that I talk about what I do uh, being short term. Right? I'm not the uh, type of guru that you're going to bring into your company and I'll work with you for years and years and years. Maybe I will be in the future, but right now, what I really look for are organizations that are um, one of three things. They're either approaching a change in their organization and they want to make sure that it goes as well as it possibly can. Two, they're in the middle of a change and they're not really sure if it's going well, or maybe they know it's not going well and they don't know what they need to do to make that change go better. And the third is that they've just gone through a change and they're facing resistance. These are my three favorite scenarios and the three scenarios I work best with because invariably changing the inspiration, the inputs, or changing the expectation, what the output is, is what can help these organizations or individuals find their way. And there's a couple processes that I use, one of which I'll share. It's a really fun takeaway for your audience and if they wanna write this down, this is a good time to grab a pen and paper is called the goal of your goal, goal of your goal. And the purpose of this exercise is to help break this pattern that all human beings have. This pattern is that we all have two reasons for everything that we do. Everything that we do has two reasons, a good reason and the real reason. Most of us don't talk about the real reason. We talk about a good reason. When I work with high school kids and college kids, my favorite example to use is that of becoming a millionaire, because dang it, that sounds like a good thing. I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that would argue that them becoming a millionaire would be a bad thing. So when I ask these kids about becoming a millionaire, I ask them why they would possibly want to become a millionaire. And I get all sorts of answers. I get a lot of crazy stares too. what do you mean? Why would I want to be a millionaire? Who wouldn't I not? Yeah, right. But Gresh, what it ultimately comes down to is that they equate being a millionaire with having freedom. Mm-hmm. So the logical next question that you or I would ask them is, if you could have freedom without being a millionaire, would that, would that interest you? Was that something you'd be interested in? And that really sums up this goal of your goal process. You might be a sales executive and say, I want to double my revenue next year. And the question that I ask is, when you double your revenue next year, what will that allow you to do or to feel? All right. So this is the part your listeners want to write down. After any goal that I've decided I've, I would like to achieve, can I answer the question, what will achieving that goal allow me to do or to feel? If I can, and most of us can, then, then that first thing we said isn't the goal. It's the second thing. But then we apply the formula again, and again, and again, and again, and it can feel like a never-ending ladder that we're climbing here. But what we want to arrive at is what philosophers call an autotelic goal. An autotelic goal is a goal that just is for itself. It is in its own being the goal. Give you an example, because it's a really loosey-goosey kind of heady concept. If you enjoy playing music, you probably have a hard time describing why. It's just something about the the way you feel. If you're a singer, the way your body feels when you resonate. If you're a drummer, the way it feels when you drum out that beat. If you're a guitarist, man, the way it feels when you strum that chord. You, just, you, just, you can't really describe it. It just is. That's an autotelic goal. So, when your listeners arrive at that autotelic goal, they've identified something that's going to drive them through any obstacle because being a millionaire is hard. If being a millionaire is a good goal and not the real goal, when you realize that you're going to have to sacrifice family events, you're going to have to make tough choices about hanging out with friends or working on your business or working on the revenue producing idea, you may opt to take the easy route. Because being a millionaire isn't really the goal, it's something else. Once we identify that real goal, the autotelic goal, that's power, that's power we can use and leverage through those hard choices, through those tough times. That's just one example of what I do with my clients and that's been a pretty powerful tool for them.
2: Yeah, it sounds extremely powerful. And I think that so many times, as you said so well, um, we sometimes attach ourselves to goals that we had at a young age, and we feel like that's the goal, but we don't actually drill down to find the goal within the goal, as you said so well, that really is what we're trying to do. And it starts to allow us to to do and find the actions or filter out the either or options that we have so that we're in alignment and we're truly doing what fills us up in our purpose. And that definitely sounds like that could be uh, what I was going to call a CEO hack.
0: Absolutely. There's nothing tougher than the mental gymnastics that are expected of many CEOs. Mm -hmm. I was speaking to one that I advised the other day and he said, COVID has been a real punch in the face for him because he realized he doesn't do much. He makes a lot of decisions. He gives a lot of orders, but at the end of the day, he doesn't actually do most of it. It's his troops. It's the people that work for him. And so as a CEO, when things are going wrong or when things aren't going as well as expected, the mental gymnastics that they have to do can be really, really daunting if they haven't identified the true goal, the autotelic goal, the goal of their goal. Thank awesome.
2: You. So um, I want to ask you now for what I call a CEO nugget. And this might be a word of wisdom or piece of advice. It might be something you would tell a client, or if you hopped into a time machine, you might tell your younger business self.
0: One of them I got from Tim Ferriss, from a guest of his, um, and that's that we should all learn more and know less especially the higher we climb in the corporate ladder, we tend to think we have to know everything and we're best served actually by consistently learning. Don't worry about what you know. Worry about what you can learn.
2: Awesome, awesome, awesome. So now I wanted to ask you my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping out different quote unquote CEOs on the show. So Greg, what does being a CEO
0: mean to you? It means figure it out. <laughs> being a CEO is the chief everything officer. You've got to figure it out. And the most important thing for individuals to figure out are the three Ds. So number one is you gotta develop. People that are CEOs, especially if you work for yourself, meaning you're a sole proprietor or you are one of a very small team, the most important thing to your business is development, developing customers. When I say development, I mean business development. I mean revenue coming in. You gotta develop your pipeline. You have to develop your existing customers to produce more revenue. The second is deliverables. Once you sell the client, you better deliver. You better get that deliverable right. Getting bigger is not why a business exists. A business exists to get better. And then you gotta get rid of the dumb stuff. Now you don't have to use the dump button. I'll say dumb stuff, <laughs> there you know what I mean? Yeah, I got what you were saying. You gotta understand <laughs> that your job is to figure it out, but not to do it. You're the chief everything officer. It doesn't mean you do everything. That means you need to know what you are great at doing and what you can outsource, offload. That is what it means to be a CEO.
2: Greg, truly appreciate that definition. And I appreciate your time even more. What I wanted to do is just pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you and find out about all the awesome things that you're working on.
0: Sure. Well, I think a really important conversation that's happening right now is a conversation around income, income inequality, and then what we should do about the minimum wage. And, you know, this really is a passionate, um, it's an area of passion for me because for a long time, I relied on my employer to develop me. You know, I thought that my manager was the one who was going to groom me for the next role and that my company was going to make sure that I had all the resources necessary to be successful. And while that is true for some companies, what's more true is that individuals need to take control of their own development. You can't wait for your boss to do it for you. You can't wait for the world to do it for you. You've got to develop and make yourself more valuable because you'll be paid exactly what you're worth to the person paying you. If you go and you get in touch with me there and you have a question, I'm happy to help Um, I'll I'll take 15 minutes and meet with anybody, anybody that wants to chat. I'm happy to give them 15 minutes of my time. You can actually book it through my website. So to the extent that your listeners feel like I can be a resource for them, it would be a privilege, you know, for me to be able to leverage some of my value to help them. And I'm so thrilled that you invited me on this podcast, Gresh. Thank you so much for having me on.
2: No, I'm definitely thrilled as well. And I I truly appreciate you for all the awesome work that you're doing. We will have the links and information in the show notes as well, too. So you can get a hold of Gregory and see about all the awesome things you're doing. But I I love that final note about, um, you know, being and having so many things that are accessible to us. I often say, we can all go to the University of YouTube or go to Google College and get as much information as we need in order to be better at our craft. So truly appreciate you for reminding us of that. Appreciate you again, my friend, and I hope you have a great rest of the day.
1: Thank you for listening to the IMCEO podcast, powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Don't forget to schedule your complimentary digital marketing consultation at blue16media.com. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.